0: Hello and welcome to episode sixty-six zero of Prosperity by the Pint. I'm your host, Bryce Carter, certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant, certified investment management analyst, and self-proclaimed millennial money expert. This is the podcast where we talk about money, investing, business, and life success, all while having a cold beer. Cold beer of the week is Yangling light lager i've had yingling before many times i have never had yingling light lager uh it is from of course america's oldest brewery dj yingling and sons uh it's hard to get yingling in michigan uh they don't they don't distribute here so i wish they did because i really like their beer especially in a bottle but i've never had the yingling light so cheers that is refreshing and delicious so this week, I wanted to talk about the thing that actually most terrifies me about the economy—very long term, not not in the short term, but very long term—and that is debt and the accumulation of debt. Um, and so, it's no surprise that the, the, the federal government has been spending money like crazy as of late, trying to combat the coronavirus and the economic fallout from the coronavirus, um, from you know the 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 CARES Act, the trillion, multi-trillion dollar CARES Act. Sending money to small businesses, spending money, sending stimulus checks to individuals, uh, increasing healthcare spending—you uh, name it—they're spending money. But the government has been spending excess money, money that it didn't have for decades now, um, and 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 that has resulted in essentially a debt bubble in the U.S. government's uh, place. So, first, let me get this point out of the way, and that is in finance in in, in your first finance class. They teach you that the basis of our entire financial system globally, not just here in the U.S., is that the safest place to have your money is if you're going to lend your money to somebody, it's the U.S. government. The full faith and credit of the United States government is the safest place to have your money. That's what the textbook says. And the entire global financial system is built on that premise, meaning if that were to not be true anymore, if it's not Safe to lend your money to the U.S. federal government, then the global financial system could collapse as we know it, and that is what scares me. Not debt itself; it's the the ramifications of said debt. So let, let's dive into this. So if we accept that premise that 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 all global fine the whole entire global financial system is built on the premise that the U.S. dollar is the safest and full faith and credit of the United States uh, paying its 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 bills is the bottom card of the financial system deck, then then debt should scare you. Right. It, it should. Um, because let's look at these numbers. So the total debt load right now is about twenty four trillion dollars. That's what the federal government owns. Um, we're not at all time high. All time high was actually shortly after World War Two. We were uh, approaching one hundred and ten percent. Uh, now, in, in pure dollars, were at the all time high. But as a percentage of GDP, gross domestic product, which is basically the sum of all the business that the U.S. does, uh, we are not at all time high. We're about 80 percent right now. Um, all time high shortly after World War II, we were approaching 110 percent. Understandably. Right. The the world was being rebuilt, essentially, from the uh, the, the decimation that Nazi Germany and uh, Imperial Japan and everybody fighting and killing each other caused. Right. We had to rebuild the world. We, we certainly helped do that. And so. That was an all time high, and then, and then debt to GDP, as far as the government is concerned, plummeted for for decades, decades, and then it started creeping back up again, uh, and, and so. <clears throat> and especially over the last 25 30 years where we've had you know simultaneous wars in iraq and afghanistan that's that's increased spending we've lowered taxes we have an aging population uh wage bases have not risen so the more wages the more more income there is to essentially pay taxes on right so all these things factor into us spending more we've, we've spent more on medicare we've spent more on social security um we're spending 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 we've cut taxes at the same time i'm a personally i don't like taxes you guys know that with me uh know that about me by now if you've Listen to several episodes, but the point of it to say we're we're at roughly eighty percent of, of debt to GDP ratio right now, and by twenty twenty nine we'll be very close to the hundred percent, if not over the hundred percent mark, uh, based on current projections. And some of that spending is already marked. I mean, it's already going to happen, right? So there's not much you can cut there. So some argue that this is an apocalyptic scenario that the government, you federal government, is going to default on debt and the dominoes start to fall. Some argue that some argue that we can sustain actually high debt to GDP ratios with one caveat. They say that we can sustain that as long as interest rates stay low. For example, it costs roughly six point five billion dollars in interest to borrow a trillion dollars. Okay, I hope my math is right on this because I'm going to look like I'm silly if I'm not. But I'm pretty sure it's married. So it costs 6.5 billion in interest a year to borrow a trillion dollars. Now that's 6.5 billion. Might sound like a big number. It's it's a big number to to me or you, right? Give me a fraction of that, and you know I'm I'm pretty happy for life, right? Um, but as far as government spending is concerned, it's a pretty small number. I mean, 6.5 billion is a rounding error for the Pentagon, right? So. Because interest rates are so low, and that's what the 10-year treasury rate is right now. So all treasuries are, treasury bills, uh, T-bills, treasury bonds, that is you lending money to the U.S. federal government. So if if treasuries are nothing but government debt, and that those are paying record low interest rates, 0.65% essentially in the 10-year treasury... It doesn't cost very much money for the government to, to to borrow money right now, right? So if the cost of the debt load is not that much, you could make an argument we can sustain this as long as interest rates interest rates stay relatively low. But when you're looking at a ten year Treasury, is usually well above three percent. You're looking at an interest rate, an interest obligation that could go four or five x, you know, four or five times. So by the time this debt matures, instead of six point five billion, you're talking. 20, 30 billion, and extrapolate that to, you know, instead of a, that's the debt load on a trillion to now a debt load on 24 trillion. So you start to see where it could unfold. There's arguments for both, right? Um, that that we can sustain huge debt uh, and, and we have sustained large debt loads for a long time, and that this is eventually is going to be a problem. I do believe it eventually will be a problem. And it's got to be corrected. So the, you know, like I said, the reason this scares me is because the whole premise of our financial system is that the U.S. pays its bills. The U.S. federal government is the safest place to have your dollar. So if that's the bet, right, if that's the premise, if that fails, that's a problem. Right now it's not failing. It's it's not in any danger of failing. In fact, interest rates have plunged so far on the treasuries because more people are willing to buy them. More people are willing to lend the U.S. government money. And if you look around the world, I mean, we actually have a pretty comparatively high 10-year treasury rate. So in in theory, the safest place to have your money is with the U.S. federal government. And compared to many other countries, it pays a decent interest rate, 0.65% on a 10-year, higher than that on a 30-year, lower than that on a 5-year, right? Beer break. That is lovely. So when you're looking at this scenario, if as long as people are willing, countries, many countries, pensions, investors, individual investors, corporations are willing to lend the U.S. government money as long as they can just keep rolling up that debt. It's like refinancing and refinancing and refinancing. And we've been able to refinance at lower and lower interest rates since the 80s as interest rates have been collapsing. Um, There was a, a, a spike two years ago, but Gosh, two years ago feels like a long time now, right? Like two years ago, you could go to a comedy show and a dinner with your wife if you wanted to, or husband or whatever you're, whatever you're into, right? So if you look at the scenario in which as long as the government can continue to borrow and as long as there's a lot of people willing to lend, yeah, we could sustain that debt. But not forever, right? Not forever. So there's only two ways you correct this scenario. And if we look at it, you know, this year, we're going to add a trillion, a trillion, a trillion. We're going to add a trillion to the deficit alone, right? So how do you fix this issue? We have to, I mean, you can't just do that every year. You can't just add a trillion in deficit every year. It's just, that is not sustainable. You have to do two things, right? So you have inflows and you have outflows. The inflows are tax dollars. The outflows is government spending. We have a two-party system and one party loves to cut taxes and one party loves to spend money basically both parties love to spend money right now um and and you know if it's not self-explanatory republicans love to cut tax cut cut tax payments and democrats uh tend to want to spend more money in government programs universal health care um green energy initiatives whatever it may be i'm not getting political on this just that's the way it is right so here's the deal you have to do one of two things, or a combination of both, in order to balance the budget. You have to increase expense. You have to increase spend uh, revenue, right? Or you have to cut spending. Look at it if it's your household, and every single month you get your you get paid, you know you get your biweekly paycheck and you have your expenses, your mortgage and your uh your your taxes and your insurance and your grocery bills and your electric bills, et cetera, et cetera. You have all those bills. And every month you're just a little bit short of what you need to cover all your bills. So you put it on the credit card and you put it on the credit card and you put it on the credit card. There's only one way to get out of that hole is that you either have to make more money or you have to spend less. So let's look at that scenario for a second. If you as an individual have to make more money, let's look at, can you do that? Can you work more overtime? Okay, you can work more overtime. Maybe maybe that means that you're spending less time with your kids. Maybe your kids then start to have behavioral problems. Or What I'm saying is there is going to be a cost to generating more income. If you tax people more, they have less money to spend, therefore, it will have an impact on the economy, and liberals uh, would tend to say, "Bryce, no, you can just you can just tax the rich more." Well, there's only three things that can happen with a dollar. Okay, you can spend it, you can save it, aka invest it, or you can tax it. Right. So if you increase taxes, you're reducing one of two things: the where it's where it's spent, invested, or where it's spent or invested. That's it, right? So spending money is good for the economy and investing is good for the economy, right? So I get it. There's going to be a trade-off for higher taxes. That's what I'm trying to get a point at, right? Is If it's on wealthy individuals, wealthy individuals tend to employ people. So, you know, they may end up not hiring as much. Um, you know, there's there's a very political arguments to the raising taxes conversation. Um, it just... Even if you're super for it and you think you should tax people more, individuals, wealthy individuals, corporations, whoever, there is a cost to taxing more, right? We can argue how great that cost is, but there's a cost to taxing individuals and corporations and businesses more, okay? So that's one option. Increase revenue, tax people more, tax businesses more. Maybe we can get out of the spending, uh, the the, the borrowing, the debt deficit, right? Or you can cut spending. Well, what are we going to cut? I I mean, you can't, I am not a proponent of cutting Social Security or Medicare because those dollars that we pay in for taxes to Social Security and Medicare are meant for Social Security and Medicare. I think there needs to be some tweaks to that system to make it sustainable long term, Um, but The the obvious place that we could say to cut because it's such a huge part of the huge part of the government budget is military spending. Now, pretty much everybody that's going to listen to this would probably agree with this statement: we are safer as a nation with a very strong military. I would argue we're safer if we have the strongest military in the world. Okay, that's that's a fair statement. Do we need to spend thirteen to fourteen times as much as the next country? Probably not. Um, and I'm not a military expert, and I'm certainly not a, a foreign policy expert. But we do spend a lot of money on military. Um, the party that is usually willing to cut spending—that's an area they don't like to cut spending at, which is Republicans like to cut spending, uh, but they don't like to cut uh, military spending. So it, you know, it is just gridlock and and yeah, butting heads. Um, Republicans want to cut so, uh, spending on social programs. Um, Democrats want to cut spending on military projects, and they want to raise taxes. Uh, got, Republicans want to cut taxes. So this tradeoff is very, very problematic. I just, you don't see a scenario in which they can get together and agree on what to do anytime soon. But if they don't, we're going to continue to balloon our debt. And eventually that domino will fall. Well, there will be a conscious decision by the business community and the international community to say we're not going to buy U.S. bonds anymore and then the the existing bonds start to mature with no debt to replace it and then then we have a true debt problem so all this increase in government spending may totally be necessary right now to get us through the economic fallout of the coronavirus not to mention the the practical implications of fighting the coronavirus, such as you know developing um, PPE and and virus research and treatment research and and uh, ventilators and masks and all the, all those kind of things that may be absolutely necessary. But we've had this ballooning debt problem for a while. Sure, maybe we can sustain it as long as we can we have low interest rates. But if interest rates rise or there's nobody willing to buy U.S. government debt, we're gonna have a problem. And the only solution to the problem is to balance the budget and actually have positive revenue so you can pay down some of the debt. So and and in order to do that, you have to raise taxes or cut spending or some combination of the two, um, which is just a tough argument to make right now to uh, that politicians can get together and do that. Right. It is so politicized. I, I, I'm i not an expert on policy. Um, I, I, I know finance pretty, pretty darn well. Um, and and I know that I don't like to personally have debt. I certainly don't want to be increasing my debt every single year, and that's what the federal government has done. Again, there are experts that are smarter than me make an argument that they can t- continue to do it, um, and for right now they can, right? But eventually that bill is going to come due, and that's what scares me. That bill is going to come due 10, 20, 30 years from now uh, to where we're going to be in a higher interest rate environment um, and 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 maybe the U.S. dollar is in the pinnacle of the financial institution, uh, financial world at that time. Uh, I don't know. But it does bother me. And it's a problem. And I would feel a lot better if we had policymakers that were actually talking about the issue. I remember just a few years ago when it was, you know, uh, Romney versus Obama and, uh, and and debt and government spending was was a huge issue. And, you know, there was there was Um, you know, votes and talks in Congress and they were shutting down the government, overspending and deficits. Nobody even talks about deficits anymore. Now that they're not talking about it, it seems like it's ballooning, right? There's nobody standing up and saying we shouldn't spend it. And I'm not saying we need to not spend the coronavirus money. That, I would argue, is actually the exact response the government should, should be doing. But in an ideal scenario, they wouldn't have to borrow a bunch of money to do it, right? Like we would be prepared. I, as a household, I, I, you know, am prepared. I have cash set aside for emergencies, and you know, if if, if my wife actually went from uh, five days a week to four days a week because company was doing partial layoffs. Okay, not a big deal. We got cash set aside, right? Um, and I recommend here, you know, if you're a single-income household, six months of expenses in cash. Three months of expenses in cash if you're a dual-income household. Governments don't save like that. Um, now they can collect revenue from anybody that walks down the street, so that's kind of they're different than us. But but that's the way that. You know, I run my household. I'd love my government to, to be more fiscally responsible. I don't see that happening anytime soon. And long term, that concerns me greatly. But that's been this episode of Prosperity by the Pint. Don't forget to tune in, subscribe. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, wherever you get your podcasts. That's where we are. Like and share. Cheers. The topics that I discuss in this podcast are meant to be general information and educational only. I'm not giving you specific advice because I don't know you personally. In order to give you specific advice, you should work with an advisor or someone that can learn your specific situation and give you advice that applies to you. If I talk about a specific security, please keep in mind I'm not recommending that security. And don't forget, investing involves risk. When you invest, there's always the possibility of losing capital, which is why you should consult with a qualified, licensed financial advisor prior to investing.